Welcome back to Chi Alpha. Hope you guys all had a really good and fun and restful three-day weekend. I hope you feel rested up for the semester ahead, but something inside me tells me we don't quite feel rested up for the semester ahead. It's almost like homework just started coming in, right? You guys excited? Homework's so much fun. Don't you like writing? All right. We got some people who just lied when they just cheered for homework is fun, but that's all right. It's all right. Jesus loves you. This year has already been so much fun. I've had such a joy getting to meet all of you guys and to see what our Chi Alpha family is going to look like for this year. You guys are incredible. I'm not just saying that to say that. I truly mean it. You guys are amazing. I'm so excited for this year. God has got some big things in store. My name is Derek, by the way, and I'm the pastor here at Chi Alpha. If we haven't gotten a chance to meet yet, I would love to meet you after service and give you an awkward handshake. That's kind of the only thing I know how to do. So that's my talent. Uh, there should be a team for that, like an awkward handshake team. I got one laugh. There we go. <laughs> I pray that the first week of small groups has gone well for those of you who went. If you did not go to a small group, just like Keziah said, it's not too late. It's only week one that you missed, so there's plenty of small groups left. So get in a small group this week. Meet some of your potential best friends. Grow closer to King Jesus. It will be awesome. And our small group leaders are incredible, and they'd love to shower you with love and care. And gifts. They'll bribe you to come if that's what it takes. So... <laughs> Speaking of bribing, I'm so excited for fall retreat, and we'll bribe you to go to there too. Fall Retreat absolutely changed my life when I was a freshman in college, and I know that it'll change yours. Please, even if you have 1% interest, that's it, go. If you go and you don't like it, I will personally refund you out of my bank account. I, will, I believe in it that much that I will write you a $70. I'll give you an extra buck. I'll give you 70 bucks. You'll make money if you go and don't like it, so that's a good deal. <laughs> Someone's going to go and like get their life changed and come back. I didn't like it. Where's my dollar? <laughs> Fall Retreat is truly the best week of the fall semester. So go get it off work, clear your schedules, and sign up for Fall Retreat on our website. I promise you, just like Kaziah said, you will not regret it. If this is your first time joining us tonight, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for making the trek out here after Labor Day. I pray that you'll feel loved, that you'll feel welcome tonight. Our prayer is that Chi Alpha is a family of people that runs after Jesus together, that we develop real relationships with each other as we attempt to make it through the crazy season known as college, right? fun. For those of you who just got started, you're like, wow, this is way different than high school. I, get, I go to class for like an hour, and then I'm free the rest of the day. What do I do? You come to Chi Alpha. It's awesome. For those of you who've been around already this year, welcome back. Like I said, you guys are truly the best. I'm so excited for this year ahead. So growing up, my family and I, we would drive around the Midwest and go to different concerts. Specifically, we'd like to go to music festivals in the summer where Christian artists would come and play. My personal favorite artist growing up was this Christian pop singer slash rapper slash like every other genre named Toby Mac. Yeah, great. I hear some cheers, some boos. Well, I loved Toby Mac as a child. I would say I probably idolized Toby Mac. Like it was uncomfortably weird, like how much I liked him. He's like a 40-year-old man, and I was like 10, like, please let me be your son. And I had a real dad, so that was really weird of me. But from the time I was a little kid, I just loved this guy, and I wanted to be a Christian rock star. Like, you know when people put, like, I want to be an NFL player, I want to be, like, a janitor or a banker, whatever people want to, I put Christian rock star every time, and I just wanted to shred. I wanted to be like Victor up there on the guitar. I haven't got there yet, though. So one summer, we went to this festival in Indiana called the World Pulse Festival, and this is just a one-day festival, but they had, like, ten bands, back to back to back. So it was literally, like, eight hours straight of music. My family was a little crazy, so we thought we had to get to the front row and stay there all day. The whole day. We can't move. In the middle of summer, with no lunch break, no bathroom break, no water break, because we couldn't lose our spot, right? We were crowded. We were surrounded by people that would have loved to take our prime position. So we stood there all day. I actually have a picture of me standing there all day. That's me up front. Oh, yeah. 
that's a handsome man, if I do say so myself. That's a grown man, not a little boy. And then there's my, my older brother right next to me. He looks, I think, worse. I don't know. I've got bleach blonde hair. Anyways, that's us. We're not a, we're not a handsome group of brothers, but we sure love Jesus. <laughs> As you can tell, though, we had a good spot. That's right in front. See, that's the band up there in the jean shorts. But, man, that was a long day. Yeah, we can take that off now. I was so hot, I was so sweaty, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was really sore, like I'd never stood that long in my life. I truly felt dead inside, is how I'd like to describe it. I felt lifeless. But then, then I saw him start coming out from backstage. I started to hear the sound of music. Toby Mac, come on, we're excited. I felt life coursing through my veins, like the sheesh thing that you do here when you put it in your vein. I, I don't know, I'm not cool. It's, I, I've always wanted to be cool, but it just never quite worked out for me. But anyways, when I saw him, I put the ice in the veins and I felt life. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's inappropriate. I probably, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. If it's something naughty, just don't get mad, okay? It's... <laughs> It's not my fault. I just do what you guys do. Anyways, back on track. So let's talk about Jesus tonight. See, I think many of us here, if we're honest, we have felt like our relationships with Jesus have sometimes lacked a little bit of life. We've kind of felt like little Derek did in front of that concert all day. Maybe we've been following Jesus, but if we're honest, it's really hard. Like we try to follow him, but we struggle to obey him. We struggle to do the right things. We keep trying, but we keep failing. We never feel close to God like these other people seem to be. We constantly fall back. We constantly screw up. We feel like we're just on our last leg of our relationship with God. Or maybe our struggle isn't with like being obedient and doing the right things, but maybe our struggle is just having like life with Jesus. We feel like our relationship with God is just all about routine, just doing the right things, going to church, fulfilling my obligation. There's no excitement. So we go to church, we come to Kyle on Tuesday nights, we do the right things, but it just doesn't do much for us. We're just kind of there, going through the motions, doing it because we feel like we should, and we're not getting much from it. Or maybe you've been around Kyle for, for a while. You know all about what we're going to talk about tonight because it's my favorite topic, and you've been doing it, but possibly it feels more like a checklist, more like another routine, and you want to bring life to your time with God. Or possibly we're here and we don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. So our relationship is certainly lifeless because it's not existent. We've been in this series entitled Hope is on the Horizon. We've been looking at our generation and how, if we're honest, we've lost some hope. That COVID, isolation, political tension, mental illness, all these things have combined to rob us of hope and joy. And how we can combat our cultural moment and we want to find hope amidst what is seemingly a hopeless situation. Tonight we're going to look at this illustration that Jesus gives us in the Bible. He gives us this analogy to describe what a relationship with him should look like. How we can combat the lifelessness that can easily develop as we go on this journey with Jesus. So if you have a Bible, if you'll turn to John chapter 15. If you do not have a Bible, I'd love to give you one after service as a free gift along with a free t-shirt. So you can get that. And if you don't want that either, it'll be on the screen behind me. So you've got three ways to see it. Amen. And there's also an app, so that's cool too. John 15, 4 through 8, says this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit 
and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for this week. We thank you for this place to gather, God. I pray that you just speak to our hearts tonight and that we can truly get this deep personal relationship with you. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you get one thing from tonight, the main idea is this. Our hope for life in Jesus is through abiding. Our hope for life in Jesus is through abiding. So if you're going to write something down, put it on your phone, on your arm, that's one thing to put up there. See, Jesus is giving us his illustration here. He's saying that he is the vine and we are the branches. That if we want to have life, if we want to bear fruit, as he calls it, if we want to survive and have a healthy relationship with God, he's saying we need to abide. Well, what is abiding? What does that word mean? The New Testament was actually written in the Greek language. So the Bible, that's how it was originally was written, in, or the New Testament was in Greek. So I went back to the Greek word, and the Greek word for abide is meno, meno. And that translated means to remain, to tarry, not to depart. So abiding means to remain, to tarry, to not depart. So what Jesus is telling his disciples here is that they have to remain with him. They need to linger with him. They need to have fellowship with him. They need to obey him. If they remain in his presence, they will have life. Jesus is telling us the same thing here tonight. That if we want to have life, if we want a relationship with Jesus to work, if we want to survive, we must abide with him. See, branches receive their life. They receive their nutrients. They survive from the vine. They don't just go off by themselves and wiggle and get life from the sun. No, they have to be connected to the vine. We are just like the branches. We receive life. We grow through staying connected to our vine, which is Jesus. So we have to remain connected to Jesus, which is our source, if we want to have hope to have life. See, too often, I think, in our society, we think that we can thrive, that we can have life on our own, that if we just pull up our bootstraps, we grit our teeth and bear it, we can do anything, right? We're told growing up, anything you put your mind to, you can do. But what Jesus is saying here is quite the opposite. Jesus is saying that we have to be like branches. See, branches are dependent upon the vine for life. They can't force themselves to grow. He's saying that we need to be dependent upon him if we want life. That we have to recognize that we can't do this on our own. We can't be successful Jesus followers on our own. It is not possible that we cannot work hard enough to bear fruit or have life with him. He's saying we just need to submit. We need to be dependent on him. This really goes against our American culture, right? Our American culture is a culture of independence, of finding your own way. That if you just work hard enough, you can achieve the American dream. But Jesus is saying the key to life is actually admitting your own weakness and being dependent upon him. So countercultural to what we're told. So apart from Jesus, we cannot do it. He's clear in verse 5 that apart from him, we can do nothing. So apart from our connection to Jesus, we cannot have life abundantly. This past week, my six-year-old niece had a birthday party. My niece has a child-sized hoverboard. It's pink, it lights up, it's pretty cool, and it was big enough that me and my adult siblings can ride on it. So my older brother, Daniel, who is in the picture, he's also our lead pastor at Scent Church, which is our partner church in Chi Alpha. If you're looking for a church on Sunday mornings, please come to Scent Church. I like it. But anyways, he told my dad, he's like, hey, come help me. Come help me get on this hoverboard. He's like, I can't do it on my own, so I need you. So he like leans on my dad. He gets all situated with him. He's like, looks like a child as he like gets my dad to get on the hoverboard and like make sure it doesn't fall. He holds on for like two minutes, but then eventually he gets himself situated and he rides it. I'm sitting there just thinking, you look ridiculous right now. You are a grown man. Why are you leaning on your dad? Just get on the stupid kid's hoverboard. It's pink and lights up. How can you not ride it? You're a 28-year-old man and have two kids. My gosh, he's such a child. He's so embarrassing sometimes. 
So then it's my turn, right? I'm like, nah, Pops, I don't need your help. I'm not going to lean on my dad. I'm a grown man. I do not need help to ride a child's toy. So I go to get on the hoverboard, take one step, another step, whoo, it slides right out from underneath, and I fall on my butt. <sighs> my arrogance and drive for independence made me look like the idiot while my brother is sitting there riding it. Ha-ha, Derek, this is easy. Oh, I'm so mad at him still. And he kept like, you should try it again. Get back on it. No, I'm not going to get back on the hoverboard. My pride is broken. Plus, my butt really hurts, to be honest. It still hurts today. I woke up I'm like, that stupid hoverboard. Anyways, I was so focused on just doing it on my own, on gritting my teeth and bearing it, being independent, that I actually hurt myself and looked like a fool. And I couldn't ride the stupid hoverboard. It really made me mad that it was pink and like fairy dust anyways. Whereas my brother Daniel, who was willing to be dependent and look a little ridiculous and stay literally physically connected to my dad, a 55-year-old man, he got to get on it and he got to ride it with no problem. His connection to my dad kept him healthy. It kept him upright on the board. We need to be like Daniel. We need to be dependent upon Jesus. We need to stay connected with Jesus if we want any hope of life with him. If we want hope for being obedient to Jesus, to doing the things he asks of us, to having a joy-filled life relationship with him, we must abide in Jesus. We must remain in him. Staying connected to him is the key to having a successful life as a follower of Jesus. Too often, we get wrapped up in lifeless religion. We think, if I just go to church, small group, Chi Alpha, if I do those things, we'll be good. And those are all good things. I want you to go to Chi Alpha, and I want you to go to small group. That's why we asked you like 300 times to come, and that's why we do whatever it takes to get you here, because we want those things, but that's not enough. They're all good things, but Jesus isn't after religion. Jesus wants a life-giving personal relationship with you. He doesn't want a religious rule follower, but he wants a son or daughter that spends time with him and is connected to him. It hurts me to say this, but just coming to Chi Alpha... It won't change your life on its own. I love Chi Alpha. It's my entire life. It's everything that I believe in. But it's not enough to give you a deep connection with Jesus. You have to have a personal relationship with him, and this comes through abiding. I'm not a good enough preacher to keep you connected to Jesus. So this is how we make it as Christians. This is how we survive and we thrive. We develop that personal relationship with God. We go from death to life through relationship. And how do we do this? We abide. So we recognize that if we want life, we must abide. So this begs this next question, which is how do we abide? How do we remain? How do we stay connected to God? And the main way we do this is through having daily quiet time with Jesus. Through setting aside a part of your day, every single day, where you do not focus on homework, you don't focus on friends, working, Chi Alpha, you don't focus on hobbies, but you focus solely on Jesus. We set, a time, set aside that time specifically to spend time with our King. It's kind of like having a daily date with Jesus where you get reconnected to him. That's how you abide is through spending that time with him. It's how you have life. In Chi Alpha world, we call this real devotion. Real devotion is one of our three pillars in Chi Alpha. You hear about the other two in a couple weeks. But real devotion is crucial to us. Real devotion is just being intentionally intimate with Jesus, having an intimate relationship with him. And that comes through daily abiding time or daily quiet time where you set aside that time for him. So during this abiding time, this set-aside time for God, we practice what is called spiritual disciplines. Disciplines are things you do on a regular basis to help you accomplish a goal, right? So, for example, if you want to get healthy, some disciplines you would do is you would eat more fruits and vegetables. You would lift four times a week. You'd go on a run once a week. you do these disciplines to help you. Well, to accomplish our goal to be a healthy Jesus follower, we have to do disciplines as well. And these are called spiritual disciplines. There's a lot of them, but we're just going to focus on a couple tonight. So here's our challenge to you. 
I challenge you to set aside time every day to read your Bible, to pray, and to worship Jesus. Our challenge is you set aside a little bit of time for Jesus every single day, reading your Bible, praying, worshiping him. See, I think too often we look at our Bible and we think that's just a boring old book. That's kind of hard to understand. It is an old book, and it can be hard to understand. However, with just a little bit of help, our Bible can become an excellent tool for us to get connected to God. I think we often think, like, I want to hear from you, God. God, just speak to me. Like, if God could just speak in a booming voice, like, hello, I'm up here in heaven. How are you? This is what you should do with your life. That would be fun, right? That's not quite how it happens. Sometimes, that'd be cool. But usually the way God speaks to us is through the Bible. He gave us the Bible as his main way to communicate to us. It's always available. It's steady. It's a constant form of communication between God and us. So when people say that I just don't feel God, I'm not hearing from him, the first question I always ask is, well, have you read your Bible? Because it's a black and white way for God to speak to you. The Bible is a living document. Meaning the Bible wasn't just written for the time period that it was written in, but it was written for today. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, that for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This means that while we read the Bible, the Bible kind of reads us. Like as we're spending time in this scripture, Jesus can speak to us. He pokes our heart. He prods at our life. He connects us, gets us to think deeply. I think too often in our society we're okay with having surface-level thoughts constantly. We need to get deep with things, right? We can't just think about our day-to-day to-do list and think about sports and think about our homework. We need to get deep and have a real life because that's how you make a difference. That's how you live a life that counts. And as you read the Bible, it pokes you and forces you to get deeper. By us opening up the Scripture, opening up the Bible, we are taking one step to which Jesus will just run to us because he wants to be connected to us. This is going to take time, though. I'm not saying that right away, as soon as you open the Bible, you'll understand everything. You'll feel a deep connection. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying through practice and discipline, you will get connected to God. It's just like when you go on your first date with someone. Imagine you go on your first date, and you don't feel like a super deep connection. Like, you don't understand them perfectly. They make a joke that you don't understand. Like, you don't quite get it. Like, it's a nice time. You're enjoying yourself, but you just don't quite fully understand them. If every time you did that, you decided, I'm not going to go on a second date with them because I don't fully understand every little mannerism of them. I don't fully understand. If we did that every time, you will never get married. You'll never have a deep relationship because relationships take time. This is just like our relationship with Jesus. We have to give it time. We have to be disciplined. We need to be persistent with him. But as we do this and as we give Jesus room to move through the Bible, it will change us. It will give us life. It will help us bear fruit as John 15 says. So how should we read the Bible? Here's a couple tips. If you have a phone, I challenge you to get it out and write these down. Or if you have a notebook, that's even cooler. You don't have to, though. Bible reading tip number one is to start with one chapter a day. So you said, okay, I'm going to set aside some time. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I challenge you to read one chapter a day. Just reading one verse of the Bible doesn't really give us context. It doesn't really help us grow because that verse is taken out of the rest of the passage. The Bible's not meant to be read by random verses, but chapter by chapter, book by book. So there's this thing called the Bible app, and it has a verse of the day, and that's great. But if that's all you read, that's your only connection to Jesus, it's not going to quite be abiding. That's not deep connection because it's out of context. You need more context to understand the scripture. And that's how reading one chapter kind of helps us. I'm also not encouraging you to read 10 chapters a day. Because you do that, you'll get overwhelmed. You'll be really excited on Monday, read 10 chapters, and the next day you're like, that took five hours. I'm not doing that again. And we won't keep doing it. We won't be consistent. What's important is not how much you read, but being consistent with it. So I'd rather you spend one chapter a day reading all week than read 10 chapters on Monday 
even though that's more chapters, 10 verses 7. But if you do that, it's just about how much you read. When this isn't about, abiding is not about how much you can input in your brain. Abiding and spending time with Jesus is about being connected to God. So we don't read the Bible, we don't pray, we don't do these things just to learn. But we read as an active way to abide and stay connected to Jesus. So tip number two is consistency over quantity consistency over quantity. I'd rather you spend time with Jesus every day than for like six hours one day. So logical question next, and I know this is a little more heady. I know this is a little more practical tips. Go along with me. I promise you this is going to be effective for your life. But anyways, where do you start? I don't recommend starting in the beginning. See, the first part of the Bible is the Old Testament, which can be a little bit confusing and a little bit harder to understand. It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you start with the Incredible Hulk, that's not a good place to start. It's boring. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with the rest of the movies. That's why you start with Captain America, the first Avenger. Because chronologically, that is first. And my dog's named after Captain America. And it's way more enjoyable. So, don't start in Genesis. I challenge you. See, everything we do is about following Jesus, right? We keep preaching Jesus. So a logical place to start would start with the stories of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are four books. Those are the, very, those are the first four books of the New Testament. They tell the story of Jesus. They're called the Gospels. So we should start with one of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I personally recommend the book of John, but it's not a huge difference between all four of them. You can pick one. So tip number three, start with a Gospel. Start with one chapter a day. Choose consistency over quantity and start with a Gospel, which are just the stories of Jesus. So what this practically looks like is tomorrow you wake up, you get up a little bit earlier before your class, and you read John chapter 1. Then on Thursday, you'd read John chapter 2. On Friday, you'd read John chapter 3. So on and so forth. And if you miss a day, that's okay. God's not mad at you. Just pick up where you left off. So let's say you read John chapter 3 on Friday, but then Saturday you overslept. You forget about it. That's okay. On Sunday, pick up and read John chapter 4. Just keep going. Do not let missing a day of spending time with Jesus get in the way of you because God's not mad at you. He just wants you to start again. I do think, though, that if you want to get something from this Bible reading time, you actually want to commit to doing it and get a deeper connection with Jesus, that you should write something down that you read. This is called journaling. So it's like getting a practical journal and writing things down. It's a huge help when having a healthy abiding time. So first of all, buy a journal. If you don't have one, your small group leader would love to buy you a journal. They're a dollar at the dollar store, so you can go buy them. One time I bought like 10 for my whole small group. It was really fun. They were all matching, and I felt like it was really cool. And then they all started buying their own, and I got a little sad. But anyways, it's fine. I still have mine, thank you very much. Never wrote in it, but it's there. Anyways, <laughs> I didn't like it. It didn't match the rest of mine. I'm really OCD about some things. It's irrelevant. So we have a tool for journaling to help you get this started. This tool is called SOAP. So tip number four is to journal about what you read using SOAP, S-O-A-P. So here's how you would SOAP. You would get your journal out. You'd put the date in the top corner, so remember what day it was, and you'd write SOAP down the page. The S in SOAP just like that. The S in SOAP stands for Scripture. So let's say you do choose to read John 15, what we just read out of this evening. So you'd read the whole chapter. You'd pick one verse that stands out to you. You don't need to write down things about the whole chapter. You don't have to remember everything. Too often we think, if I don't remember everything, what's the point? No, it's about getting one little nugget, one little connection to Jesus. So that's why we do it this way, so we can get connected to Jesus, not just learn everything. So let's say verse 4 of John 15 really stands out to you. So you'd write out the scripture. John 15, 4, abide me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit, blah, 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 blah. Boom, you're done. You're quarterly done. Then you move on to the O, which stands for observation. So we got scripture and then observation. So you'd write down something that you observed from the text. Doesn't have to be crazy, but it'd be something like this. 
I can't bear fruit by myself. I need to abide with Jesus if I want to bear fruit. Just a simple observation. You're already half done. We're looking good. Then we move on to the A, which stands for application. So scripture, observation, application. This is you applying what you read to your life. Just reading the Bible probably won't do a whole lot for you. What you need to do is you need to read the Bible and let it change the way you live your life. So when the Bible says to be humble, you choose, I'm going to try to be humble. When the Bible says you shouldn't lie, you stop lying so much. You let it apply. Don't just read it. That's nice. I shouldn't lie. And then continue to tell 100 lies a day. That's probably not going to lead to a lot of change. But if you take what you read and let it apply to your life, it will change you. We're not after knowledge impartation, but we want heart transformation. It's not about just learning things, but it's about seeing our lives changed. So if we go back to John 15, you might put something like this. I must abide with Jesus through spending time with him every day. Or I want to spend 15 minutes with God tomorrow. Some practical application. Scripture, observation, application. And finally, we end our journal with P, which stands for prayer. So you'd write down and say a little prayer about what you read. Something like, Jesus, help me abide in you. Help me set aside time for you. Help me bear fruit. Draw near to me, God. Help me be connected to you. Something like that. And that's it. You're done. It's a very practical way. I know it's very nuts and bolts, but it's a very practical way to spend time with Jesus and read your Bible and get connected to him. If you do this, Jesus will speak to you. Jesus will teach you new things. If you apply this, you'll start to look more like Jesus. And as you abide, you'll bear fruit because the Bible does not lie. And John 15 is very clear that if you abide, you will have life with God. I'm not saying that every day if you do this, it's going to be awesome and great and you'll get a lot of things from it. You won't always want to do it. Sometimes you'll forget but if you commit to starting this discipline now, I promise you it will turn your world upside down. This practice of what we just did should take roughly 15 to 20 minutes. I then challenge you maybe pray for another five minutes, something simple like that. To speak honestly with God, worship him, confess sin to him, rejoice, thank God for things, pray some things. It's just a few moments of you talking to Jesus. Then after you do this, maybe you can put on a worship song and worship. So again, three parts, Bible reading, prayer, and worship. And if you do all of that, it will take you about 20 to 30 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes of your day will get you connected to Jesus and it will bring life into relationship with him. 20 to 30 minutes of your day to bear fruit and have joy and turn your lifeless religion into a life-giving relationship. I guarantee we look at our screen times, we spend more than 20 to 30 minutes on TikTok. I guarantee we spend more than 20 to 30 minutes playing video games. That's only one, that's one episode of The Office. Is Jesus not worth one episode of The Office? Ooh, now everyone's giving me dirty looks. They're like, oh, you don't have to say it like that. And as you progress and as you do this, the time should grow. A long-term goal, the goal that we have for our Chi Alpha staff team is that we spend two to two and a half hours a day with Jesus. We want to read the Bible all the way through every single year. We want to spend extravagant time in prayer. That's the long-term goal. We don't need to get there right now. Right now, just focus on giving Jesus 20 to 30 minutes of your day, one episode of a TV show, and watch him change your life. It won't be immediate change. I'm not saying you'll wake up tomorrow and you'll do it once. But like, yes, my life is amazing now. No, you need to keep doing it. It takes discipline. Just like working out, you have to keep doing it for it to work. You can't just go do 20 curls and be like, yes, I'm ripped now. No, you have to keep doing it day after day. But our hope for life in Jesus is through abiding. This is it. Here's a little secret. Pastor Derek, me, I'm a one-trick pony. I've got one trick on how to follow Jesus. That's it. I just gave you all the keys. Having real devotion. Spending time with Jesus every day will turn your life upside down. And the reason why I believe in this so much and why I'm teaching you this lecture-style thing and giving you practical application is because it's what changed my life. No sermon, no worship service, no friendship, no small group changed my life in a way that this did. See, growing up, I followed Jesus, but it always felt empty. I felt unfulfilled. 
My relationship with God was more about rules than intimacy. I've talked about this the last few weeks, but I try to find fulfillment through girls, through sexual experiences, through getting good grades, through buying stuff, through having success, and none of it worked. And then on January 1st, 2018, my world was started a process of being turned upside down. See, on January 1st, 2018, I committed to doing this every day. I committed to giving Jesus a little bit of my time every day, reading my Bible and abiding every day. And I've done it every day since then. And I believe in it because it's worked. It has brought me fulfillment. It has brought me intimacy with Jesus. I'll be honest, I don't feel empty anymore. I can't explain it. All I can explain is it works. See, I feel like I found the buried treasure to life with Jesus through abiding every day. Now, every day do I wake up and have some great revelation? No. Every day I don't get the spiritual heebie-jeebies where I read my Bible and I get goosebumps and start like freaking out. That doesn't happen every day. To be honest, some days I leave, I'm like, well, that was kind of boring. I didn't learn anything. I'm just reading these genealogies that don't make any sense. But through developing this discipline, year after year, and looking back, I can see this, that this habit has given me an intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's what it's all about. It's helped me have a real personal relationship with God. Having real devotion to Jesus changed my life more than anything else. That's why you'll hear about this a lot. Because John 15 is correct. It works in abiding in Jesus. If we do that, he'll abide in us. He'll remain in us. He'll be with us and he'll be connected to us. This is the key to life. John 15 is clear that if we want to bear fruit, we need to abide. We don't abide. We don't spend time with Jesus for divine brownie points. See, God doesn't love you more because you do this. God doesn't love you more because you spend more time with him. You don't earn anything from this. But what John 15 is saying is that life is impossible without this. See, I like to picture Jesus saying this. You can try to not spend time with me. You can try to do it your own way. Try to do it on your own. Try it. It's not going to work. Jesus is smart, and Jesus knows that we can't do this on our own. So if we don't spend time with him, we'll feel empty. We'll feel lifeless. We will not bear fruit. He knows you won't be healthy. So God's not mad at you. He's not ready to punish you when you don't do it. So abiding is not a commandment. It's not, it's not a commandment that says, if you don't do this, you'll be punished. That's not the way Jesus operates. No, abiding is a cheat code. It's the buried treasure. It's the answer key to our test. It's saying, if you want to have life and bear fruit, you need to abide. So this begs this question, well, what is bearing fruit? It says, if I abide, I'll bear fruit. Let's go back to the vine and the branches. The branch's main job is to bear fruit, right? Like an apple tree, it needs to bear an apple. However, the branch can't do this on their own. They can't just squeeze and have an apple pop out. No, they have to be connected to the vine. For us, we can't bear fruit on our own. We must be connected to Jesus. Bearing fruit is really the proof that we are living. Bearing fruit has multiple meanings, but in its most simple terms, it just means having life with Jesus. It's the proof that we are connected to Jesus. Bearing fruit is like having righteous living. Living as Jesus wants us to. Being obedient to him. Seeing sin chains be broken off. Living a life of humility, joy, patience, peace, love, faith, having the virtues and characteristics of Jesus. So if you want to be more like Jesus, spend time with him. You can't be like someone that you don't know. The more you spend time with someone, the more you're like them. For example, my wife Taylor and I spend a lot of time together, and now we have the same four jokes. They're not funny, but there are four jokes. We, that's our sense of humor. It's two office quotes and a quote from this movie called Benchwarmers, and then a quote from Avengers Endgame. It's not good. But because we spend time together, we're very similar. If we spend time with Jesus, we'll be more like him. 
Bearing fruit also looks like making disciples. It's not only living a righteous life, it's also helping other people look like Jesus. Seeing our friends and our classmates come to know Jesus. Let me give you a little peek into my dream. See, I have a dream. I have a dream that 10,000 students at the University of Northern Iowa are going to be on their knees at this altar worshiping King Jesus. I have a dream that this campus is going to be turned upside down. And that Jesus and his love and his grace will flood our campus. And that students will stop trying to find satisfaction through partying and through relationships and through Tinder. But they'll find satisfaction through Jesus. That's a lot of fruit to bear, right? If we want to see that, if you want to see your friends come to know Jesus, if you want to see the people that you sit next to in classes, on your dorm halls, come to know Jesus and have life with him, we must abide because that's a lot of fruit to bear. If we want to change the world, if we want to change our campus, it starts with that connection to Jesus. I'd venture to say that there's some of you that have been around Kyle for a little bit. You've been abiding because I talk about it quite a bit. But you're not seeing the fruit you want. Maybe Jesus wants to build some endurance in you. If you're here and you've been spending time with Jesus and it doesn't seem like it's working, I challenge you don't give up because God doesn't want to raise up quitters. So he's going to do things to push you and prod you. He wants you to press in. If your time with God has felt like a checklist lately, keep going and watch your discipline turn into delight. It takes time. Also, don't be afraid to switch up what your time with Jesus looks like. This is a very practical advice, but maybe go back to the basics. Maybe you being here tonight is God's reminder to say, just come back to me. Just dwell with me. Maybe you need to read more. Maybe you need to read less. Maybe you need to pray more. Maybe you just need to give Jesus more time. Maybe God is saying, all right, you've been giving me 15 minutes a day for the last two years. Let's bump it up a little bit. Just like with Taylor, if I only hung out with her 15 minutes a day and we've been married for five years, that would not be good. I'd be in big trouble. We've got to give her a little bit more time as we spend more time together. See, too often we get wrapped up in just doing the right things. And that's not the point. The goal is not Bible reading. The goal is abiding. The goal is to be connected to God. As I started to spend daily time with Jesus in 2018, I noticed that I started to be more like God. I started to notice the pride in my life. I started to live more on mission for Jesus. I started seeing fruit in my small group. People started coming. I'm like, holy cow, this works. It became easier for me to say no to sin. If you want to grow in saying no to sin temptation in your life, if you want to see the bondage of pornography, drunkenness, pride, and anger come off your life, just like we talked about last week, we want to see those chains broken, abide with God because you can't do it on your own. Bearing fruit is basically just growing as a Jesus follower, developing a more intimate relationship with him. So how do we abide? We read the Bible, we pray, we worship, we set aside a quiet time of 20 to 30 minutes a day just to focus on God. I challenge you to write when you wake up, get up 30 minutes earlier. If you do this, your relationship with Jesus will get life because our hope for life in Jesus is through abiding. Our hope for life in Jesus is through abiding. Maybe you're here tonight and your life with Jesus has kind of felt like an uphill battle. It's just so hard. You're like, I give so much effort, but it's not working. You say, it feels like I take one step forward, but then three steps back. Like I come to Chi Alpha and feel great, but then I go home and keep doing the sins that I keep saying no to. You can't seem to get over these sins. You can't seem to commit to Jesus. You can't seem to live a godly life. You want to so bad, but you can't. The key is not more effort. The key is not just trying hard and pulling up our bootstraps and gritting our teeth. No, the key is to depend on King Jesus and let him do the work for you. The key is to abide. Or possibly you want life with Jesus. You want some excitement. You want some hope. You don't want lifeless religion, but you want a life-giving relationship. You want to develop a personal relationship with God. The way we do this is through spending time with him. Just like any other relationship, if you want to be intimate with someone, you have to spend time with them. 
Or finally, maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God at all. However, maybe you feel like that your entire life is a little bit lifeless at times. You feel like you're constantly striving for happiness, striving for success. You want the American dream. You want what every other college student has. We just keep coming up short. This American society that has told you what to do just isn't quite working for you. You want hope. You can't seem to find it. See, because on our own, we're fallen. On our own, we come up short. We've all made a lot of mistakes. We're all full of sin. However, Jesus loved us so much that he didn't want his branch to be cut off. He wanted to be connected to him. See, naturally, we should not be able to be connected with Jesus at all. Jesus is perfect, and we aren't. So perfection and imperfection do not mix. So in order for us to be connected to God, something had to be done. And this is why Jesus died on a cross. See, I want you to imagine that Jesus is here. And right away when we're born, we're standing right next to him. But that every time we sin or do something stupid, we would take one step away from God, one step away. We keep throwing baggage, we keep throwing sin, we keep throwing struggles, things that we shouldn't do in between us, all this junk in between us. And then we look and there's a huge gap and a huge void between us and Jesus. And naturally it should stay that way. However, our God loves us so much that he knew that we were gonna be imperfect. And he came and he died on a cross so that he could literally connect us to him, just like he's on the cross. And we have a connection from Jesus all the way to us. Because Jesus wants connection with you. So what he did is he came and he took the penalty. He took all this baggage, all this bondage, and he put it on himself and said, I'll pay the punishment. And he dies on a cross for our sins. But then three days later, King Jesus rises from a grave and says, this stuff will not have the final word. I will. And Jesus gives us an opportunity to be connected to him. And now he's, all he's doing is looking at us and saying, will you take it? This bridge between us is his sacrifice. We can continue to just try to live the American dream, the American Christian life. We can think that we just need to go to church, do the right routines, try to do the right things, have some success, but also screw up. We can feel like our religion's a burden. We gotta do it, or we can have something more. See, I don't want you to go through the motions. I don't want you just to come to Chi Alpha and not see life change. I pray that we do all this for a purpose. My prayer is that our lives are turned upside down for Jesus. And the main way this happens is through developing a personal relation with him. Your small group leader's relationship with God's not good enough for you. My relationship with God's not enough for you. Your pastor at your home, home church, his relationship with God, not good enough for you. You have to have your own. When we get to the end of our days, Jesus is not going to ask me, why weren't you connected to him? He's going to ask you why you weren't connected to him. Only you can take ownership for your faith. See, but we can have a relationship with the God of the universe that's full of life. We can have hope to bear fruit and live a righteous life. We can have hope to live the life that God has designed for us. But the key to this is staying connected to the vine. And how do we do this? We abide. Will you please stand with me? Every week at Chi Alpha, we like to give two ways to respond because I think doing an active, some active action is important to assembling a heart change. So if you're here tonight, and if you're honest to yourself, you haven't started this life with Jesus. You felt a little lifeless. You felt like you're over there by yourself on your lonesome and you've screwed up a lot and you wanna get reconnected to Jesus or maybe connected to him for the first time. If you wanna give your life to Jesus tonight, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you all, close your eyes and bow your heads and I'm gonna to count to three. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus and say, I'm coming in God, please be connected to me. If that's you, on the count of three, I ask you to raise your hand as a symbol to him. One, two, three. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. 
God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you that we've been connected to you, Jesus. I thank you that you move in our weariness and our tiredness, God, that we don't have to perform for you, God, but that you are good enough and you do it all for us and you just want to be with us, Jesus. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. I have a second way to respond tonight. If you're here and you want to commit to abiding, you want to commit to trying this for at least like a month, you're going to try to spend time with Jesus. Maybe not be perfect, but you're going to try it and you're going to commit to abiding. Everyone can have their eyes open. And if you want to commit to abiding, I want to challenge you to either raise your hands like this. You can put them like this. You can do something, some physical action to show Jesus I'm committing. So if that's you, right now I challenge you to raise your hands, do something to God to say I'm coming, Jesus. And I'm going to commit to being a, to abiding and being with you. I'm going to pray for us and we'll enter back into worship. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, thank you that we can be connected to you, God. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen.